Welcome to Lyme Time. I'm Allie from the Tick Chicks. We are all more than Lyme disease and chronic illness, and together we stand with you to overcome and rise. I'll bring you closer to the experts in cutting-edge treatments and even a few unexpected ways of healing. I'll ask the questions you want answers to regarding Lyme disease and successful ways of getting you closer to 100%. We are in this together and will not be defined by Lyme. Today's guest is fashion mogul and my personal spirit animal, J.J. Martin. The Double J starts with J.J. and its story is hers a tale that weaves the spirituality and optimism of her native California and the street start smart strategy of New York with the ultimate refinement of Italy's culture and style. The California native landed in Milan in 2001, where she spent 17 years as a journalist, writing for a variety of international publications and scoping out the best of Italy as a contributing editor for Harper's Bazaar, US, WSJ Magazine and Wallpaper. During this time, she educated her eye while forging friendships with the city's network of creatives from the worlds of fashion, interiors, art, design, and architecture. JJ launched La Double J in 2015 as a shoppable magazine with the twin purpose of selling her collection of vintage clothing and shining a light on Milan's great gorgeous girls and legendarily housewives. Propelled by JJ's maximalist energy, the Double J soon took flight in original collections of feel-good fashion with an easy glamour and vintage twist, delightfully immersive retail experiences, playful collaborations, as well as stories on how to live like a very elegant Italian and how to feel your best through a spiritual practice. All of these elements reflect JJ's authentic life passions and she has seamlessly merged them into a new kind of lifestyle brand, one that encourages women to seek joy both inside and out. And she is its best evangelist, speaking with a unique from the heart voice that delights the ear and deeply connects with the ever growing LDJ tribe. Welcome, JJ. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and Pepper snoring on my lap. Oh, the baby. So she has the cutest, for people who can't see, who are just tuning in, she has the cutest little pug baby. And how old is Pepper? She's actually a year and nine months old. Oh, my gosh. I know she's brought you a lot of joy. And she's just the cutest. And she's part of your your team over there in Milan. Um, so for all of my listeners, she's uh, JJ is tuning in here from Milan, where she runs her fashion industry. And I'm saying fashion industry because not only is it the best of clothing, and I, I when I think of your line, JJ, I think of whimsical, happy, um, just effortless, chic. But it also transcends into the homeware. Um, li- uh, bath, um, I'm sorry, bed linens. Uh, tell me a little bit about your line and how you got to where you are with La Double J. Well, I started it while I was still a journalist. So I was juggling three different jobs. Of course. <laughs> Trying to do a startup is difficult under any circumstances, but when you have two other jobs to uphold, it can be a little bit panic inducing. And I will say, that there was a real scramble at the beginning. Um, It was a passion project, 100%. It didn't really come from 
my left logic brain. It absolutely came from the right side of my brain, the left side of my body and all of my heart, um, which I think is one of the reasons why it resonated because I truly adored vintage. I truly loved print and pattern. And I was nuts about these Italian women that I had spent 15 years just gazing at in awe and disbelief and deep respect and admiration. They are a, they're such unique birds and really in, encapsulate so many of the characteristics that I was really wanting to start to like nurture in myself in the sense that like Italians are stylish and nice. They're not French people who are stylish and not nice. (laughs) (laughs) Italians have huge open hearts and the best table setting you've ever seen in your life. And Italians are deeply graceful and and by that i mean accepting they are accepting of an american who was butchering their language and they were they're very accepting of children that run around screaming um they're very accepting of trains that break down timetables that are not met with and i really struggled with this as a type a american fresh off the boat from new york my first years in Italy were super, super challenging. And um, one of the things that I realized actually was that Italy had a lesson to teach me beyond the women on like how to set your table and how to dress, which were great lessons as well. The real lesson came from Italy itself, which is a very, pliable, feminine energy, receptive, heart-opening country. I think that's why so many people want to take their vacation in Italy. Why do you think there's just this pull? It's not just the, the monuments and the sites, because, you know, London has just as many great sites, and so does Paris. It's really Italy's heart, and it's soft heart. It's mercy. It's Um, giving people a break, laughing when things don't work properly, giving people uh, the time and the space to correct things, um, to do things, you know, that maybe aren't according to our to-do list and our mission accomplish attitude. So it really changed my, the, the country got under my skin and really started making me change my outlook and realizing how much there was to learn by slowing down, by meeting people face to face rather than doing everything on the telephone as most journalists do. Um, And really just staying in the present moment in the now. Italians are known for that. Like their favorite thing to do is just like il dolce far niente, like the beauty of doing nothing. (laughs) I love it. Which to an American is very foreign and very frightening. Americans have a fear of that emptiness, of that state where they're not accomplishing, where things aren't being done. And to this day, I still have my American DNA programmed into me. And I do sometimes still struggle with that 
fear. It's almost like a mistrust that things aren't going to go right unless I control, unless I hold on tightly, unless I check everyone, unless I rewrite it myself. You know, and, and a lot of these lessons are, it's been such a joy to live in a place where these are just taken for granted and the Italians aren't even really aware that they possess these superhuman skills. Uh, but it's what makes Italy such a remarkable place. And I think it's why I was so fascinated by these women who on the one hand were, you know, gallery owners and fashion designers and stylists and architects. And on the other hand, their homes were like so brilliantly decorated. Their dinner parties were so effortlessly curated and they did all of this with like a huge smile and laughing and relaxed state of mind. The ultimate so, hosts, I would say. And I also feel when I think of Italy, it conjures a feeling of it's sort of the motherland and it sort of always paid respect to women in general. You know, uh, you know, my Italian friends, I mean, you didn't cross mama, right? <laughs> that was like, it's, it's a very rich respect and, and maybe that's why the Italian women grow up feeling validated. I really could not agree with you more. There, there's such a focus on, in a way, it's kind of a matriarchy, even though it's very patriarchal and there's a lot of machismo with the men and the fact that they, you know, expect that mother to make dinner for them um, and to iron their underwear. But, uh, but you're right, there's a real, even though there's that like silliness part of it, there's a real reverence and um, sacredness held for the mother and mm -hmm. the female's role. The, the, the female really rules the family. And I have to say, you know, I always used to kind of make fun of the Italians, like what are those guys doing, like still living with their moms? Meanwhile, they are so happy and their mom is so happy. Everyone is happy. Like, you know, don't knock it until you've tried it, you know, and it's, it's so funny. And, um, I mean, of course there's extremes to anything, but I will say that for the most part, when we're just talking about generalizations, Italians as a nation of, of human beings are some of the most well-adjusted people I've ever met. They don't have these hangups about their family, about feeling abandoned, about not being seen, about not being appreciated or listened to. That mom wants them at home as much as possible and they feel great about it. It's very, very sweet. And it made me really do a 180 in my own sort of prejudices about what it meant to be a modern independent woman because so much of that modern independent woman franchise let's say was really made up within the halls of the patriarchy so really what we're talking about is and when i say patriarchy it's you know i really mean just you know rules made by men when men are decision makers and 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 things that have never really been questioned so for example the idea that money and success are the most important values in most americans minds is like a patriarchal kind of value system 
because a feminine energy would not be interested in that. Like a, a more feminine energy, which is very Italian, is your quality of life, how you actually feel during your day. And Italians are way more interested in that than they are in, I need to be successful and I need to make money. Which is not to, to say that like Giorgio Armani is not interested in making money because he really is, for sure. But I'm just talking about kind of generalizations and sort of the compare and the contrast. And, and Italy was really an incredible womb, a cocoon almost for me to kind of like stretch those new uh, inner cellular muscles of myself that needed to express in a different way. Because I grew up in such a sort of like regimed way. You know, I was a competitive gymnast and spent 12 years of my life every week, six days a week, three hours a day in a gym for the entire year. And there was no room for laying on the grass and just staring up at the sky. And there was no room for mistakes <laughs> and laughter and, you know, joy. It was like, I, you know, it was almost like ro the Romanian gymnast team from 1972, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, that, that is perfection at its core. It, is it, is it, is it, basically a professional gymnast, somebody who's doing that as a lifestyle, I can't imagine, uh, yeah, no room for mistakes whatsoever. And, you know, that says a lot to, yes, to how most Americans, even if they're not doing it to that extreme, but their, their belief in perfectionism equaling success somehow along the way. Um, and at some point, during your journey, you decided to do some deep soul searching for answers and healing for yourself. And yeah. I know a lot of and our listeners what? are in the same boat. We, we are searching for the best way to reach our best selves. And can you tell us a little bit about how you got to the point of searching? Yeah, I would actually, I'm sorry I jumped in, but I get so excited. I know. Yes, I, please do. <laughs> I stimulate it. Uh, that's my masculine energy coming out at you. Boom, 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 boom. Do it, baby. Um, what was very interesting was that I think that this severity and this like rigidity that I had with myself and with my life, the way things were going to work. I mean, anyone who knows me is like, you're really intense. I am. I'm <laughs> super intense. And I am the kind of person that like you want when you're, you know, fighting a battle. Like I'm going to have the sword. I'm going to be the first one in line. I'm going to be like the last of the Mohicans, like charging the field. And yeah, you're our foxhole girl. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to defend the castle and actually and I'm going to charge and charter new territory. I have no problem with penetrating, whether it's like a conversation, a room, a project, a mountain, whatever it is. Like, I want to get in there. I want to climb. I want to make it happen. And this is a wonderful quality. I see it as a motor for the success that I have had in terms of my journalism career, 
starting in a brand new country with a brand new language, with no friends, with not a single person that I knew, forging a whole life here, creating two different homes here, starting my own business and my spiritual practice. So it's kind of like, I really see the benefit of that kind of approach, mentality and energetic, but when it's the only year, it can become very destructive. And, you know, I went from being the competitive gymnast to being like the obsessive jogger. So I was jogging every day, five days a week, one hour, whether it was like 6 a.m. in a blizzard or not. And everything was kind of really tight. And I think that my body finally was the only, you know, since I wasn't really listening to my heart or my soul, my body started talking to me and was like, let's wake this woman up. Okay. So I, I, I've had like a lot of symptoms. I got adult acne. I had problems with my sensitive gums and teeth. There was a real fifth chakra block happening. Um, and then I had right before a year before I launched my business, I had, um, been undergoing for the, the, the years prior to that time, uh, fertility treatment. So a second, a major second chakra breakdown where I had unexplained infertility. Um, and earlier in my life, I had struggled with depression. Um, my father died when I was in college. I wasn't able to even confront myself on an emotional energetic or spiritual level. And so that became, you know, my, my usual way of just chopping through life really didn't work. And I didn't get enough of a wake up call until, even though I'd gone through all these depressions, I went through periods where I wasn't even eating any food whatsoever. I mean, it was like some bleak, bleak periods of my life. And I didn't really finally get the real knock on my head and heart until I decided to end this fertility madness. And I met a energy healer a year before I launched my business. And she, let me interject. How old are you at this point? Where, where, what stage are you in? So I met this energy healer in 2014. So I was 40, 41, something like that. And I had just been on this like crazy fertility journey for like the last five years. And it was a disaster. And I had had actually was pregnant three times with like chromosomically deformed embryos that were like alive and clinging on. And, you know, you do not want to be having an abortion in an Italian public hospital, which is what I had to do one time. Believe me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just like a lot of, you know, and, and, what I realized is that someone like me who was the last of the Mohican in their head almost needs to be battered down to bug juice in order to finally say, okay, I give up. Like, because my armor is like so finely honed that I will not, as the Italians say, molare. I won't give up. Like I will like, I will clench on I'm very resilient. I will stay stuck like a barnacle, like for as long as it takes. 
And that is great on the one hand, and it's terrible on another. And so all of these, these things ended up being huge lessons and just trying to find a balance in life and trying to live in that sloppy gray middle area rather than be full on intense or loosey goose, like asleep on the couch. It's like, how can you be in the middle? You know, I am someone who has a deep spiritual practice and I'm extremely of the world. Like I take pictures of myself and post them on Instagram. How much more superficial could I possibly be? (laughs) I'm very cognizant of this. So I have this huge practice that is like another world And then I'm also selling fashion to people. So I recognize that I'm in this this kind of weird loosey-goosey place. And actually, I think that's a very healthy place to be because otherwise we tend to polarize ourselves and become the extremists of our own life. I don't want to become a fundamentalist anymore. I've had enough fundamentalism in my life. And what opened the doors for me in this was my first energy healer. She was specialized in fertility and she really opened me up to the concept of my higher self, of energetic qualities, how to raise my vibration, how to connect with pure source light consciousness. So for some people that's called God, for other people that might be Jesus, for some people that might be Buddha, That might be a mountain peak in the Himalayas. It might be your ocean for some surfers I know. It might be the sun. Whatever it is, connecting to this all-knowing and all-powerful energy source is how we heal ourselves because we actually have that capability within ourselves. So those moments when you're like, you don't even recognize yourself because you're so dynamic in a day, you know, when it happens, you're in absolute flow. You are attracting smiles and people who are helping you all day long. The sun is shining on you. That is the state that I'm talking about. And that is not a random occurrence. That is actually something that you can cultivate, that you can develop the muscle for, that you can promote, and that you can improve your overall experience by consistently directing your life stream towards that frequency and towards that energetic. What we call it is rhetoric. It's dogma. I don't care what you call it. Call it like a pink elephant if you want. I don't care. Call it Pepper, my dog. You know, you could call it whatever you want. Just you got to tap into it. And this is, this has really been my life's work over the last six and a half years. I got really serious about this. And I also noticed that my very busy lifestyle, because, you know, as I mentioned, when I first launched my company, Well, let me just go back for a second. When I first started tapping into this, the results were seismic. Within nine months, I was not giving birth to children, but I gave birth to a company. And I'm telling you, I could not have done it without doing this work. Mm -hmm. And left and right opportunities presented themselves. Like once you start working on this, you become a magnet for creation. You become a magnet for joy for love people want to be around you because you want to be around you 
And that's what we're really talking about. And I will say that for the kind of Mount Everest American in me, it was difficult to assimilate this fully. So I spent many years kind of with my outer perimeter dipped into this, but not having like the core of my being sponging into this energy. And a lot of that has to do with sheer busyness. And it was only really during, well, there's been a couple moments in my life when I've gone on retreats, when I've been in super deep meditations, when I've absolutely like left my body. I've had incredible um, spiritual encounters. I've had incredible downloads, amazing multidimensional experiences. That all rep duplicated, um, amplified to an extraordinary degree when I was left at home by myself for three months, basically in an empty apartment in Milan with nothing but my dog. And of course I was still like running the business, but it was literally like two hours on Zoom per day. And then let me just close that and get back to my quiet time. Okay. And despite the fact that there were some really scary moments for me, for my company, frustrating ones. I was face down on the floor in the kitchen crying on more than one occasion. So it's not like it's all like loosey goosey, like, you know, rah, rah, rah all the time. You know, you're still having these very like 3D real world emotions and reactions. But I will say that my spiritual practice picked up at a radical rate when I gave myself the time and the space to let it be. And, and when that, when your spiritual life picks up, like you said, inevitably, everything else in your life just opens up and it is just miraculous. It's, it's sort of like you, you start chuckling to yourself like, oh, of course that came into my life today because that's freaking fabulous. And I would have never, you know, and, and it just kind of comes at you left and right. And it, it, it's, it's truly just channeling or connecting to that that what whatever you want to call your higher power and that source and um, I know it sounds hippy dippy but it really really works and I can only imagine what it felt like for you being the type a personality to make that decision to make it your a lifestyle change and what was there a one defining moment where you decided to go from just kind of retreats and dipping your toe into these spiritual things to just diving in? A few things happened. Um, one was as this, as this happened, uh, the more, okay. So what happens is you start getting usually like the kind of, process of the kind of spiritual awakening starts with a there's an itch there's a discomfort there's a like i need something more this is like not working it's the so-called famous midlife crisis or an alcoholic who breaks down and suddenly realizes like you know what maybe life is not the way i think 
it is. And maybe I don't need these things. And maybe I don't really even know what I need. Maybe someone knows more than me. It's a real like humbling moment because especially us who are doers and movers and shakers in the world. I mean, I own, I, you know, I've got like, I pay 50 people on my payroll. Like there's a lot going on right now. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's hard to just be like the, the relaxed one on the couch when you've got that responsibility. And so what happened for me was that I, you know, I, I got that itch with the, after the IVF. And then what happened was one door opened another and I started, you know, then my energy healer had a, had a few texts for me to read. Some of them were channeled. Suddenly I was like, whoa, what is going on here? And then I, a very typical thing that happens to people, you do like a deep dive into educating yourself on like every single esoteric possibility in the universe. I was like studying, you have no idea. I mean, it was as if I took like an MBA in spiritual studies, literally from homeschooling things. I've taken courses. I've read books. I've, you know, I go on the retreats. I, I meet the healers. I, you know, I've done it all. Mm -hmm. And the more that you start educating yourself, the more your body starts to have kind of like a memory, you know, because all of this is sort of like your soul starts reawakening. You start poking your soul. You start like nudging it. Suddenly the, like the soul is kind of like frying up a little bit. It's like getting warm. And it, if your actions and your words and your life are not aligned with your soul's purpose and your heart's desire, you're going to start having a lot of problems. And I was having a lot of those. So you want to know why you keep getting in car accidents and why people like break up with you and why that huge drama just happened at work. And you got, you were the only one that this massive thing happened to like, that's the universe being like, wake the fuck up. All right. And this kept happening to me over and over again. I was getting like kind of unexplained pains in my body. I was having all of these like symptoms. And this is even happening like as I'm like super into my spiritual process and my, my spiritual practice. Then again, my spiritual practice was like, you know, an hour in the morning. Then I get to the office and start yelling. So something in my field was like, you are not living your life in resonance. Like this is not resonant with your own deepest desires. And it's like, it almost, it, my body became my own mouthpiece. And I think it's so important for women, especially to realize that this body is really this vehicle that is talking all the time. It's your vessel and you need to pay attention. I would be much less concerned about how many wrinkles you have and way more concerned with why you're getting those like illnesses, diseases, like the weird things that pop up. I mean, anything from a chronic disease to a cancer, to a infertility, whatever it is, your body is speaking to you. And when we're aligned perfectly, the body is, is reflective of that. 
And so there were, there was a lot of things and I was getting increasingly frustrated, increasingly frustrated. And one thing that really helped me was the time that I spent in Bali. So this was last year. I mean, there were, there were a couple of other things, actually the, the, the conscious breath work and the ovarian breathing that I discovered a few years ago where I was bringing, you know, you can go into like a trance state when you use the shamanic breath. I mean, you almost start like hallucinating, like you're doing LSD, but it's totally natural. And you're just using your breath to access deep subconscious parts of your body. That, those were huge wake up moments for me, huge. And then the other thing that was a big wake up for me was, um, Finally, you know, I, I kind of came to this realization that like, I really, to be true to myself, needed to end my marriage and I needed to do it in a way that was deeply respectful and loving and kind to my husband because he is a wonderful person and it was super important that I did that in the right way. And because I could have been a warrior about it and I could have screamed and blamed and judged, you know, obviously if you're breaking up, there's reasons for that. And I did this in a, in a way that su deeply surprised me. I didn't even think I had that power within me. And I still am pleasantly shocked by that. Um, and it's really important. It's really, really, that was a huge thing for me. And the other thing that happened recently, in the, it, it happened a year ago. I went to Bali for the first time. And this is a place, like, despite all the cheesiness and, like, the movies and, like, all these, like, you know, tourists. And it is, there's parts of it that are so crappy. And I am a very discerning and picky traveler. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I went there and I was like, I don't give a crap. I am, I am falling into the embrace of this magic island. If I thought Italy was the motherland, Bali is the great, great grandmother and she knows her shit. And it's like, I, I couldn't believe the lessons that were presenting themselves, the people that were just showing up randomly. I mean, if you open to it, it will come. And that, that was a, that was a really, that was a really big moment for me. So I think those were kind of like the lead ups then to what happened also in, in lockdown. And, you know, tonight, where are we right now? June 19th. I mean, we went into lockdown the end of February and I am just now this evening going to someone's house for dinner for the first time since February. It really took us all to such a deep level on and, and a, such a roller coaster ride. And being in in Milan, Italy, where it was hit so so hard, and we were all watching the images on TV, and just being there and being in the epicenter, basically one of the most intense epicenters of this outbreak, had to have been crushing in the beginning. Um, I can only imagine what you were going through and feeling so responsible for all, all of the, all of your employees and just sad. 
and heartbroken. It's like Italy's heart was just broken in two. And um, so I'm glad you get to go connect with somebody in real life and, and have dinner and share bread and like talk about it and just be enriched in some way. And the weird thing, Alicia, is that just as you were talking about that, the sky outside my window began like thundering for like a crazy 20 second shake, like big time thunder. Which, and there's no coincidences, by the way. Like, you got to start looking at life, I realized. Look for the synchronicities. Look for the signs. Look for the verifications. Look for the amen, the high five at, from the universe. Whenever you get the chills, pay attention. That's confirmation. When the sky opens up and is like, rah, 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 when Alicia is talking about Italy and what it went through, like, that's the like mother earth, like coming in to hug you. I mean, that was incredible. It was beautiful. Oh, I love that. Okay. So, so people like to grab onto specifics. So I'm just going to say, if you could bullet, if you could just list five, um, either healers or healing techniques, because I know you've experienced a lot of them all over the world. If you could list your like top five, uh, for somebody who really wanted to, who was really at the edge and wants to take the leap right now, what would you suggest they do? Because I'm sure a lot of these practices you can access by online right now, especially. Absolutely. Okay. So I think the very first thing that is important for starting this is, you know, you, so the spiritual connection is a high vibration, Right. So what's important is if you want to make that connection on the higher level, you first have to take care of what's going on on your lower levels. So that means you need to do physical clearing and emotional clearing big time. So if your diet is consistently filled with sugar, white flour, meat, and wine or alcohol, you're going to have a much harder time making these kinds of connections. It's just going to be more difficult. You, it's like a numbing device. And it's weird how much, like my, my spiritual teacher in Mount Shasta, she's like really hardcore about this. Like she doesn't even want us eating fish. She's like nothing with a heartbeat in your body. Nothing with like a bloodstream. So... Um, and for me, what the really tricky stuff is around sugar and wine, because those are my kind of like go-to soothers. And it's been very difficult for me over the years of my life, like literally since I was a child to kind not with the alcohol, but with the sugar to eliminate these things because they, they become so synonymous with that, with the mother actually. It's like a real mothering device. It's a real nurturing technique. But what I've realized is that when I do do these kinds of clearings, I'm much more available to my real experience. And, and what I realized early on in the process, like five or six years ago, is that like, there's a very good reason why I'm eating all that sugar and drinking all that wine, because my real experience sucks. <laughs> so there, you know, you will 
come across that moment where you're like, of course I'm exercising all the time and keeping myself so busy and never sitting alone. Because when I do, my feeling inside, when I go inside my body and really start exploring the sensations, it's on fuego. It's on fire. Everybody's upset. My cells are screaming. My DNA is crumbling. You know, my heart is screaming. No one is happy. That's part of the process. So you, the very first things are kind of getting your diet cleared up and getting your emotions cleared up. And you have to do that. This is a very difficult thing. It means really coming face to face with the God's honest truth. What are you hiding from? What are you ashamed of? What are you not owning up to? Where are you not being honest in your life? And that is like everything from, I don't even really love my husband. I'm not saying that was my case, but I'm just saying like many friends I know are in relationships that feel very transactional, that feel like they're there because that man provides the lifestyle that they need. That's not your heart talking, honey. That's not your soul talking. And you will have a really difficult time with the higher levels if you are not addressing this lower level vibrational stuff. So that means getting up close and personal with your fear, with your anger, with your trauma, and sitting with it, listening to it, getting your own special downloads, doing meditative work on this. Um, there's, there's a couple of like Buddhists that I love that are really helpful around emotions. And one is deceased. He's Chongyang Trungpa Rinpoche. He's the best. And he was the master of Pema Chodron. So Pema is still alive. You can, you know, I've done workshops with her. She goes to the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. You can like find her. Um, we quote her all the time, by the way, on our website. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. But I almost feel like Trungpa, like Chongyang Trungpa was like even more juicy. Like there's something really remarkable about him. And you can start practicing something called Tonglen meditation, which really helps in terms of tolerance. So a Tonglen practice is breathing in negativity. So that means you breathe in that toxic person that's driving you nuts. Well, that's scary. Exactly. <laughs> and you breathe out love. So you're practicing holding toxicity mm -hmm. and building your heart strength around it and sending yourself and the toxic person love. This is very effective. I can only imagine. That sounds so fabulous. So okay. those, are, those are kind of some like of the first things. And then it's about taking inventory of your heart. Because the heart, you're not going to get the spiritual connection unless your heart is operating properly. Because your higher self lives in your heart as well as in your ascension column okay so the heart is the key to all of it you want it soft like butter you want your heart to be always responding with mercy 
compassion, gratitude. How many of us go throughout our day pissed off that that person was late, this person did a bad job, oh my God, my nanny, my, my, the driver, the, da, 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 the paint job guy messed up, the pool guy didn't come, da, da, da. I mean, that, you've got to get yourself out of that. You've got to get yourself out of it. And you do that by cultivating gratitude. So it's not just gratitude for that amazing pool that requires you to have a pool man or the fact that you actually can afford a nanny because those are big things to be grateful for. I'm talking even, I'm grateful to be inside this skin and have this body accompany me for 47 years. I'm grateful that my eyes see you. I mean, I'm talking like go down to like the super, super, super basics and then go up to this amazing stuff that you have in your life. Because I guarantee you there's tons of sparkle. There is tons of jewels that you're sitting on. I mean, just go open your closet for a moment and take a stroll in there. My God, there is a lot to be thankful for. But then it's not just the gratitude. It's also what brings you joy? Have you explored that recently? What brings you true, unmitigated, unselfconscious joy? Make your list and then ask yourself, how often do I even do this? I mean, seriously, maybe once in a blue moon when tragedy occurs or on a holiday when you go to church or when you, you know, or yeah, I would say most people are operating in those basic, with those basic elements every once in a while. And most of our gratitude, it's like the volume is off. We're just like not even conscious. Would you please look at this incredible printed silk dress? I mean, this is amazing. And I'm not saying that as an ego thing. I'm saying it in right. pure wonder. It is wonderful and amazing that I, an American who knew no one, 20 years later, have my own burgeoning, sprouting, abundant, fertile company that actually makes clothes that I can wear and people that I don't even know buy. <laughs> it's a miracle. So that, that also speaks to the getting out of the sort of why me and making your, your, your shift in your mindset and that can change your life and it can change the way you see uh, obstacles as opportunities essentially. And so making, I, you know, I talk a lot about, about challenges becoming our teachers, but most people have a hard time. I won't say most people, a lot of people have a hard time getting from the why me to seeing it as a teacher. It's that little bridge in between that. Once you can get over that little bridge, you're golden. But really, that's hard for a lot of people. And I'm telling you, what you're talking about is probably the most crucial aspect of our job here on Earth. Once you start, read the Buddhists, 
Okay. Even if you're not religious, like it's almost like it's more like philosophy other than anything else. Everything that happens to you in life from me finding this dog to the breakdown I had on my kitchen floor, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago towards the coronavirus, like ripping a hole inside my company. Every single thing from my depression, from my father's death, from my infertility, from those three babies that had to be yanked out of my stomach, from my inability to have children, every single one of those things was ordered up from the universe to teach me what I currently don't know and I'm not good at. So if you have a problem doing that, you will have a very difficult time ascending with your spiritual uh, practice, a very difficult time. So now is the time to get curious and creative. What on earth could this be teaching me? Okay, so let me just give you an example. Infertility. Not only was that teaching me that maybe I was moving too fast in my life and wasn't creating the conditions for motherhood, but maybe this was an opportunity for me to become a mother to myself. Maybe I wasn't, maybe I didn't even know what motherhood even meant. I mean, like you have to get like, treat yourself as a main character in a very interesting novel. Create a story for yourself. There is a story around every single thing that happens in your life. Your job is to dig deep down and find it. The, the infertility thing brought up so many things for me to learn. Letting go, accepting that I wasn't in control. I had to learn that. I had to learn other ways of feeling feminine. I wasn't going to be a mother. Am I, does my, do I even like emit any feminine energy, let alone motherly nurturing energy, which is like a component of feminine energy, but it's more specific. I mean, it was, you have to look at it like that. When lockdown happened, it really put me in a difficult situation for my company. That was not fun. That was very stressful. I was, you know, really challenged. And guess what the lesson was? Now it's time to actually put the spiritual practice into use while I'm feeling really destabilized. Yeah, that's the true that's, test. That's the test. It's easy to do when everything's peachy keen. And then when you are literally on your, on your knees, that's the test. A hundred percent. And there is a lesson in every single thing. There's a lesson in the line at the supermarket. And I guarantee you the lesson is number one, patience, my friend. And number two, generosity. Are you going to be generous to that sales clerk when you get to the top? I mean, she must be totally stressed as well. She doesn't like a line, like all those unhappy people. Absolutely. You, how, about, how about giving something to her rather than complaining? Absolutely. I love it. I love the way you're articulating it. It's just, 
it's just so minute, but it's, oh, it's just so big. It's just colossal. Um, so in, in wrapping this up, I wanted to know, you know, your life up until this point, what are some things you lost and what are some things you gained? Wow. I lost a lot of things. I lost friends. I lost a father. I lost my naivete. I lost my... At one point, I lost my enthusiasm, which honestly is one of my most powerful superpowers. And I had to really work to get that back. Um, because I remember as a child waking up or not being able to even sleep at night because I was bursting with excitement about going to school the next day. Like that's how like much, I just loved life. I loved, you know, I couldn't wait, you know, and slowly but surely, you know, the stab wounds go into the heart. Like it closes up. It doesn't want to get as excited. It doesn't want to get as excited and you lose that enthusiasm. I lost my six pack. <laughs> I lost. That's okay. Yeah. I lost, um, well, I gained self love for the first time in my life. Like, I never even thought that existed. I never even considered it. I never even contemplated it. I didn't even realize it was missing, but I gained self-love, admiration and respect for myself. I gained compassion for others. I used to be just like cutting through life. I have a real compassion for others. I used to not be able to tolerate a screaming baby in public. And it used to bother me so much. And after doing all this work, when I hear a screaming baby, I am so like honored to be part of it. Like I, I, I'm like, I wanna be near it. I wanna comfort it. I want to tell it it's okay. It can cry the entire time, even on airplanes. I mean, you wouldn't even, rec I don't even recognize myself sometimes. That's a big one. That's, That's a big a one. Huge one. That's a huge one. I gained a relationship with my mother, which I never thought would happen. I gained a dog, a company, a family of employees. And I gained all of these teachers who I feel so indebted to and honored by. And I mean that like the ones on the planet and the ones like swirling above us, you know, cause I, I really feel that we are accompanied. I gained a relationship with my father after he died. It was really weird. That's, incredible i mean what a peace you have in your heart then reclaimed and ready to just it's just healed i i mean i i'm guessing it's mostly healed yeah i think there's 
you know, and that's one other thing. We have to be super patient with ourselves as you dig around on these like buried traumas. You know, you have your cry and then the next time you start crying, you're like, well, I already cried about this. What happened? You know, sweetie, like give yourself some time. Took you like 30 years to even realize it was a, you know, that you just found it. Okay. It's been calcifying for 30 years. Like one cry is going to slightly dislodge it, but like it's a process. So we have to be kind to ourselves and patient with that. And it, you know, it doesn't always happen the way we want it to in that perfectly packaged American consumer good way. You know, it just doesn't happen. Well, I appreciate, and I'm so grateful, JJ, that you came, you know, via this telephone line wave that you did, and you kind of wrote in to talk to all of us about your journey, um, your healing of your heart, and all of the ups and downs along the way. I mean, it's just so inspirational to talk to you. I hope that you come back. Um, to our listeners, if you're interested in learning more about JJ, please live, visit LaDoubleJ.com and LaDoubleJ on Instagram. She will take you to this place unexpectedly through an IGTV video or just a live story or wherever she is, and you can access her this way on a regular basis. And I love the way you just infiltrate your business with this goodness and these good vibes and and just a higher level of doing business and a higher level for women to operate businesses. And I'm loving that you're going to be on our wealth advisory tribe at the tickchips.com. Um, is there anything else that I'm forgetting, my dear? It's my pleasure and honor. You are someone who embodies this already, Alicia. So it's so easy to love you and be in your orbit. And, um, thank you. Cause I, you know, the last thing I'll say, like, you know, cause you actually asked me, you're like, what's your company about now? I realize, you know, yes, I'm selling you a dress or a set of plates, but at the end of the day, what I'm really interested in is raising your vibration. So if we can do that with a color, a print, a pattern that is get a, putting a, a, a tap in your toe. Fantastic. If I can do that by talking to you and motivating you and trying to get you connected to this higher self of yours, even better, whatever works, you know, but we all need to come together. Humanity needs to join in this common goal. Enough of the freaking like separation and conflicts and struggles that are going on politically, economically, like socially, etc. This is let's come together, folks. Let us all come together and help one another. And it requires consciousness. And it requires first that you look deeply and truly at yourself and are making sure that your words and your actions are in line with your heart, your values, and your soul. Well said. A great note to end on. And, you know, JJ, enjoy your dinner party tonight. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it'll be nice to just get out and, and be with other people again. And, and I hope that this is the beginning of many good things for all of us. Thank you, baby cakes. Love you, babe. You love okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Ciao, tutti. Ciao, ciao.